praise God. So we're talking this month about Christian soldiers in their home, and it's my understanding that Brother Parker has already passed those out. Is that correct? I've got extra ones. So we'll just have extra ones for the rest of the month for the visitors that will be coming that will need a copy of this. Amen. And so we're going to talk about Christian soldiers at home. Amen. And, uh, you know, there's the emphasis here in these lessons has been that of Christian soldiers. And we are soldiers in an army. Amen. We are fighting in a battle. That's that children's Sunday school song. We are fighting in a battle. And, and, and the battle is the Lord's. Amen. It's not our battle, but we are the soldiers in his army. Amen. We are the ones on the ground fighting. We are the ones down here on the ground doing the work of the Lord. Amen. And sometimes it feels like a fight. Amen. And uh, if, it, if it didn't feel like a fight, sometimes I feel like it wouldn't be worth it. If everything was just easy, if everything just happened the way we wanted it to happen. But sometimes the Lord's got to allow some things to happen. Amen. You know, I remember when I was a soldier, there was things that they trained us on every day, but I, and I never went into battle, but I'm sure that there were soldiers that when they got into battle, they learned some things. They said, wow, they didn't teach us this in training. So they had to kind of learn it on the fly. And even when I went through my training to do my job, it was very basic. It was very rudimentary. And when I got on site, on the communication site, to actually do my job, there was a whole lot of things they didn't cover in the classes. I had 39 weeks of school. They didn't cover any of that in those 39 weeks. And so the real task was to take the basics that you learned and add to that from the on-the-job training. Amen? And that to me, it's kind of like we are in an on-the-job training program. Amen? It's just like I was thinking about raising my kids, and I, I, I told myself that I that I've successfully passed through the the Child Rearing 101 course in the School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> My dad used to say, there's not a book on how to do this. I remember him as a kid saying, <laughs> Amen. because you, there really isn't. I mean, the people that have written those books never had children. I don't understand how they could write about how to raise children if they've never done it. Be like somebody teaching you how to drive a school bus if they've never driven a school bus. How in the world would they know how to teach you how to drive a school bus? Amen. But God has given us instructions, right? Everything that we need is in this book. Amen. And, you know, I think about it sometimes. You know, back in the day, they just had scrolls and, and the older Bibles. It was just a paper Bible. But now you've got Bibles that have... Everything in your life that you could think of, anger, you know, whatever, in the front or in the back of your Bible, and it leads you to all the scriptures that talk about that. So there are so many helps nowadays with the modern Bibles that there's really no reason if we'll just refer to the owner's manual, you know, he'll tell us what to do. So with, without further ado, we're going to step into this lesson, and we're going to go to the book of Psalms, chapter 101. Verse 2, and uh, it's right there. If you wanted to turn there, I might read a little beyond that. So, so you know, it's good that we get our Bibles out and, and to hear those the leaves of those pages ruffling. And, uh, you know, when I first got in church, we didn't have multi multimedia like this. Or, well, we did, 
but it was overhead projector, and there was somebody up there moving projector slides back and forth. And so, but a lot of times we had to pull our Bibles out, and I, I carried a little steno notebook around, and I kept notes in every service. I wrote notes. I just wanted to know more about the kingdom. I wanted to know more about the things of God. I didn't want to forget anything. Amen. It's just like the the father of one of the the people that died in Benghazi. They had him uh, talking to somebody, and they asked him a question, and he said, hold on a minute. And he pulled this notepad out of his pocket, of his suit pocket, and he said, this is where I keep my brains. He said said jokingly, this is where I keep it. He said, but I write everything down because I know I'm so busy I'll forget stuff. And so he writes everything down. And so he he went back several months and read exactly what he wrote down because somebody said something to him. He didn't want to forget it, so he wrote it down. And so, amen, and so we, we... you know, we need sometimes to, to know how to get around in our Bible. Amen? Amen. We don't, have to, we don't want to be fumbling around. I need to know how to get, and where, I be able, need to be able to look at the, the edge of my Bible and know right where Acts is or right where the book of Isaiah is without hesitation, be able to flip that open and go, okay, somebody's asking me a question. I should be able to go there and give them an answer or at least try to give them an answer. Amen? You can't go wrong when you're, giving somebody an answer about something, and you just go to the book, and you say, well, let's just see what the book says. Turn with me to, you know, here, let's go look at this. And so the book of Psalms, chapter 101. I guess I'll turn there, too. How's that? (laughs) That's right. We need that, right? I lose on the sword drill. (laughs) Amen. I'm going to read verse 1 through, I'm going to read the whole thing. It says, I will sing of the mercy and judgment unto thee, O Lord, will I sing. It sounds like he's not thinking about it. He has in, he's got his mind made up. I'm going to sing of the mercies of the Lord. He's saying it's true. I, I know it is. And, and who else but King David could say that? Amen. It says, and I will behave myself wisely in, the per, in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. And that's our key scripture for this lesson for this month. And uh, But I'm going to go on and read uh, down through that. It says, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Oh, a forward heart shall, not, shall depart from me, and I will not uh, know... A wicked person, whoso privily slandereth his neighbor, he will I cut off. And him that hath in high look and a proud heart will will not I suffer. Mine eyes shall see upon shall be upon the faithful of the land, and they that they may dwell with me, and that uh, and he that walketh on in a perfect way, he shall serve me. He that worketh deceit shall not dwell within my house. He that telleth lies shall not tarry in my sight. I will, I will early destroy all the wicked out of the land, that I may cut off the wicked doers from the city of the Lord. Now, this isn't telling us to go out and destroy everybody that doesn't believe the way we do. And uh, the, 
the context of this scripture is actually King, more than likely King David, talking about his kingdom. And when he's talking about his house, he's not just talking about his house, his personal house. He's talking about the, the, the king's the king's house, he's talking about all of his subjects, all of his advisors, all of the people that work around him. He's not going to have anybody around him that's going to be anything but, but a godly person, basically, is what he's saying. And so that's, what, and that's kind of the attitude that we need to have. And uh, it's not up to us to go out and destroy people, but it's up to us to go out and, and to be that example and that light to people. Amen. And I have found many times that it's not the things that I say that matter in the lives of people. You know, they need to hear the gospel. Yes, they need to hear you speak the word of God. But sometimes it's just your daily consistent walking with God, your consistent daily right attitude. You're not having a negative attitude and always having something positive to say. And, and just all, the people know they know the difference between somebody that professes to be a Christian and somebody that is one and doesn't have to tell anybody. It's, it's just like the, uh, when I was going through my leadership training in the Army, they, they came into one of the classes one day and they said something to this effect. If you're really a good leader, you don't have to tell anybody you're a leader. They'll know. Amen. They'll, they'll just know that you're a leader. It's not anything you have to try to do. And so the converse is true. If you're trying really hard to be a leader and you're not one, people will know that too. Amen. And so, but if we live this thing consistently every day, amen, it's not going to be hard to, as that scripture says, I'll walk in my house with a perfect heart. Amen. The psalmist said, I will behave myself wisely in our choice of principles to guide us in our conduct in our family, in our, fish, our official relations, there must be a desire. In other words, you've got to have a want to. You've got to want to do this thing. Amen. You can't be half-hearted about this or you're not going to want to do it at all. Amen. Just think about anything else in your life that you do. If you're half-hearted about your job, you're not really going to be into what you're supposed to be doing every day. You're gonna, your mind is going to always be somewhere else. Amen. And so it behooves us, if we're going to be good at what we're doing, to get our mind on what we're doing when we're doing it. Right? And so it's got to be a desire. It's got to be a willingness, a want, having a want to. When it comes to acting and conducting ourselves, just like this king here was talking about, he had a purpose. He, if you read this scripture, if you read it kind of in context, he's not, he's not sitting there with his hand on his chin thinking about it. He's, he's saying it. As if this is how I'm going to live. Just like that song, I choose to be a Christian. I choose to be like this. Nobody's making me do this. This is how I'm going to live. It's a very determined attitude that this king has. And it's a very determined attitude that we need to have. And we need to have that desire. Amen. And, uh, and it goes on to say, and a purpose within us to do it. In a perfect way, in accordance with the perfect rules of, rights, of right versus wrong which are found in the Word of God. Once again, our reference is the Word of God. What, what, what's right or wrong? How, what do I do in this situation? What do I do in that situation? Everything is found in the Word of God. Now, we were just talking about Philippians 4 and 8. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, 
think on those things. That's what this is talking about. Conduct yourself in a manner consistent with what the Word of God says. How the Word of God tells you to act. And in many ways, when we look at our pastor and his wife, we look at the lives of those around us that are apostolic, that are godly people, that are consistently living this, we have examples all around us to follow of people that have a made-up mind. Okay? The Word of God. Oh, when thou, when shalt thou come to me? The psalmist asked. Perhaps this would be better rendered when thou do, when you do come unto me. That is, when, when you do come to visit in my dwelling, thou shalt find that these are the principles which regulate and govern me in my house. In other words, it's kind of like somebody saying, when are you going to come inspect my house? When are you going to come down and, and see, Lord, come, I am inviting you. Come in my house and see how I live. We should not be afraid to invite the Lord in our home. Amen? And again, talking about consistency. We should not be afraid for the Lord to come visit us in our home. And if, if we're living consistently, if we're doing these things, if we're keeping ourselves from wickedness and all these things and letting no wicked thing come before our eyes, we're, it's not going to be a problem for the Lord to come into our home. Amen. He's going to be there anyway. Amen. It's the whole, you know, talking about like uh, the young people are talking a little bit about peer pressure and. And one of the things that they, and they still say this, they said, oh, nobody will know, right? The kids will say, come on, go do this thing with us. Oh, come on. They, they you know, pressure them. Nobody will know. And <laughs> I've been guilty of saying, <laughs> come on, nobody will know. We'll just do this and nobody will know. Amen. But somebody will know. His name is Jesus Christ. Amen. And he knows everything. Nothing is hidden. Everything is open to him. Amen. We might think we're getting away with something, but God is there. He's there in our home. Amen. He inhabits all space and time. So you can't turn the light off and hide from God. Amen. Amen. Why do you think most of the wickedness and most of the deeds that are done are done at night? Because people think that if they do it in the dark and nobody sees them, it's okay. But it's not okay. Amen. He's keeping track of everything we say, everything we do, everything, every action, every word. Amen. And so we have to be consistent. Amen. And we should be willing to allow the Lord to come into our home. He should be the center of our home. And if we make him to be and his word to be the center of our home, there's not going to be a problem with following any of his precepts. If everything that we do centers around the word of God and the things of God and the precepts of God, amen? This is, this is why I love coming to church and hearing different people speak, hearing Brother Parker speak. And, and I, my wife and I, we go online and we listen to these DVDs that, that, that are from these camps and stuff, because there's so much out there. You know, it's not that Brother Parker doesn't preach everything that he knows, but we all don't know everything. And so these other men can bring things from a different perspective. And women. Amen? And so I, we, we need to get to that place where we just, we're just hungry, man. It's like 
somebody that just has to eat all the time. You know, they're never satisfied. As soon as they finish one bag of chips, they got to go get another one. A different flavor this time. Amen? And somebody that eats like that all the time, what happens to them? Yeah. Let's, let's get fat on the Lord. Amen? Let's get, the Bible says the fat is the Lord's. <laughs> it does say that. It's not talking about this fat, but. Amen. So we too should live that whenever God comes into our dwelling or when anyone else comes or however narrow or and searching may be the inspection, these principles of the word of God shall be found to regulate our conduct. Amen. How many of you guys remember barracks inspections or somebody coming to inspect your store at Walmart or, you know, the inspectors, I'm a fire inspector, so we have to go out and we have to note when when a pull station by a door is blocked because there's something called the Americans with Disability Act, and we have to note that somebody in a wheelchair can't get to that pull station, so that's a failure on an inspection. I don't like to do that. I don't like to say, well, that device doesn't work. We have to fail your inspection. But it's my job, and that, that, the, that document's going to the state, and they have to report that. And if I don't report that, then what happens? That's on me. Amen? And so, you know, we, those of us that have worked in this world or been in the military, we understand inspections. And when you had an inspection in the military, you didn't want to just be lackadaisical about it. You wanted that sergeant to walk through your place and go, okay, and not say a word and move on to the next guy. Right? Looks good. And walk out. Yes. Passed another inspection. But they'd usually always find something, wouldn't they? You know, they'd find a hair in your sink or something. Something that you didn't catch. You know, they would find stuff that wasn't there. Right? That's right. They would look in places you thought you looked there. You thought surely you dusted that. That dust came around right after, five minutes after you dusted it. There it was. Amen. And so we, we don't need to be... We, we we want the Lord to be welcome in our home. Amen. And how much how much more would that speak to an individual that's visiting our home? Amen. To feel that presence of God. Amen. I want people when they walk in my home, I don't want them to feel anything but the presence of God in my home. Amen. And how do I do that? Amen. I, I live a life where I, I'm constantly praying. When, I'm not just praying when I'm kneeling down in front of the chair or in my bed. I'm praying when I'm walking around. I'm praying when I'm reading a book. I'm praying when I'm eating dinner. Amen. I'm, I'm constantly in an attitude of prayer, inviting the presence of the Lord because I never know. You never know who's going to come knocking on your door. Amen. Might be the UPS guy. Might be somebody like that that's just having a bad day and they walk up to the door and they feel that presence of God. I'll never forget the preacher that was talking about, you know, he was a, a young young man, young preacher, and he was struggling with with some things in his walk with God. And he so he, he was going to this church and the pastor said, well, you can come here and pray. And so he would go there and pray and pray and pray and pray. And, and finally he broke through this thing that he was struggling with. And to him, it was just, he just broke through. So he went to visit his father, who wasn't in church, and he knocked on the door, and his dad came to the door, and his dad's first words out of his mouth was, what is wrong with you? 
what happened to you? And he's like, what do you mean? He said, something's different. What did you do? I don't know. Nothing. What it was, was he had spent so much time with the Lord trying to get over this hump, get over this thing that he was struggling with. He got that victory to the point where he had spent so much time with God that it was just, it was emanating from him. It was, his dad didn't know how to act. He was like, and his dad finally said, well, whatever it is you did, keep doing it. Because there, there's something different about you, son. Amen. How do you, I want somebody to say that about me. I don't know what it is about you, Brother Richard, but there's just something like you're glowing like a light bulb. And I, I, want, the, I want the Lord to, to say that. I want people to say that. Amen. Here's my beloved son and who I am well pleased. I want the Lord to be able to say that about me and be able to direct me and send me in situations and circumstances. Amen. Amen. I will walk within my house before my family in the principles which shall govern me there. It's all about consistency. When I was raising my sons, I figured out, if I didn't figure out anything else, I figured out that it was consistency that they needed. They needed to see us praying. They needed to see us spending time together reading the Bible. We had devotions. We had this root, this this thing that we did every uh, every. Christmas, every Thanksgiving, where we would sit down and take time before, at Christmas time, before we opened the presents, we would take about 30 minutes where we would just talk about, amen, the, the birth of Jesus Christ, and we would read that scripture, and we would talk to them about it, and we would, wanted them to understand that the, this was the important thing about Christmas, not all that stuff under that tree. And it was that consistency, I believe, that has caused those two young men to con- still continually live for God. Amen. So in our homes, we need consistency. Amen. We don't need to be up and down. Amen. I know we're going to have bad days. Everybody does. Amen. And there's going to be days that you just feel like the devil's just on your tail. Amen. And if you don't think the devil will come and mess with you, go to the Bible and read about when Jesus went... Uh, was in the wilderness and the devil came and tempted him he came and tempted him with all kinds of things and so we are not immune from that but when we realize who it is that we are we are the sons of god we have the power and authority of of the same spirit that raised jesus christ from the dead we have that same power in us over the enemy all the bible says what resist the devil Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. Resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. doesn't say he's not going to come and mess with you and talk to your mind. He's going to kind of come and try to bring suggestions into your mind and, and try to get you to, to compromise and do things that you know are not in the Word of God. And, and that's when it's good to have that Word. You know, Brother Parker emphasizes over and over again about hiding the Word of God in our hearts. Why is that so important? Amen. If anybody, if you know anything about filters, the air conditioning filter in your house, why is it there? It's there to capture all the dust and all the stuff and everything, every air that you breathe is going through that thing to make sure there's no dirt blowing back out into your house. Amen. Or a filter on a, on a fuel pump or something. What is the purpose of a filter to capture things? And so our, we 
when we apply the Word of God in our life to the point where it becomes our filter, and we, everything that happens in our life, everything that we hear, everything we see, everything, everything that happens in our life, if we'll f- learn to filter it through that Word that we've hidden in our hearts, we'll know exactly what to do in every situation because it'll, it'll become to the point where we'll say, when, when something happens, somebody says something or whatever, our first response should be, well, what does the Word of God say? And if you've got the Word of God hidden in your heart, then it doesn't become, what does the Word of God say? Then it becomes, well, wait a minute, God's Word says this. So that's not of God, that's of the devil. You know, and so it becomes automatic after a while. And that's the importance to me of hiding God's Word in our heart. Amen. If you hide that word, you don't need to come here to find out what to do. You don't need to call the pastor to find out, oh, what do I do? I'm running into this situation. Man, you've got the word of God in your heart. You know what to do. You know what to say or what not to say. You know how to handle that situation. And and a lot of times if you don't, you know, my thing is stop what you're doing this is what I do. I stop what I'm doing and I go to prayer. If I had a pull over on the side of the road, I stop and I go, okay, okay, okay. God, what, what's the deal? What, what do I do here? And, and he'll speak to you. You know, he's just, he lives inside of us. Amen. You know, we read in the Bible where he spoke to Paul and he spoke to Peter and he spoke to all these people in, in the in those days and we we think that was for them but it's the same holy ghost that we have and so we've got him living inside of us and he dwells all around us and we are his sons and we have been set apart we took off our old raggedy self-righteousness right we took off our our raggedy robe and we put on his robe of righteousness right so he's he's there wanting to talk to us if we'll just listen amen Amen. And he'll quicken that word if we've got it hidden in our hearts. He'll quicken it to your mind in those moments. He'll quicken it. You know, it'll just it'll just pop in there. You're like, how did that happen? Amen. That's why that scripture says, don't think about what you're going to say when you get in certain situations. Just know that he'll give you what to say when the time comes. And how's he going to give you what to say if we get this thing hidden in our hearts? Amen. I'm going to stop harping on that. The great principles of right in everything in the smallest matters shall guide and govern me. During this lesson, we will, talk, we will look at three steps to maintaining a godly home. All right? This okay so far? Amen. <laughs> Amen. No, letter B, three steps to maintaining a godly home. Number one, model behavior that supports Christian conduct. The psalmist said that I will behave myself in a perfect way. Uh, I was looking in my Amplified Bible, and it says, it translates that, or this is how the, the Amplified Bible says it, I will walk within my house in integrity and with a blameless heart. Amen. In integrity... And with a blameless heart. Integrity is a word in our society, in our generation today, that's not a very popular word. People don't want to have integrity. 
They have, want to have as little integrity as possible, in my opinion. Amen. They want to be able to do what they want. They don't want to have anybody have make them accountable for anything. Amen. We don't want to be accountable. Amen. This is all the way down into the schools with my my, my wife teaching these kids. None of, the parents of these kids don't want to be accountable. I'm talking about the schools in Louisville. Maybe it's that way here too. The kids don't want to be accountable for anything. They don't want to take any responsibility. It's always somebody else's fault. Right? Blame the other guy. Amen. Like oh, Flip Wilson, I think, used to say that. The devil made me do it. Amen. I didn't know if anybody knew who Flip Wilson was. <laughs> Praise God. Well, there you go. Amen. Paul told Timothy to be an example of the believer in his conversation. And what is that conversation? Is not talking about having a conversation with somebody. It talks about our behavior. Right? And so we've got to be an example. And, and Paul was telling Timothy, and Paul was speaking to the Philippians, and he was saying, follow me as I follow Christ. Amen? And so that's, sometimes it's not what we preach and it's not what we say, but it's in our actions, it's in our life. That somebody says, you know, you walk different. You act different. You don't respond like other people. There is something about you. I'm curious. I want to know more. Amen? We want to stick out like a sore thumb. Right? Amen. You drive down toward Coon Valley and out toward Westby, and you I guarantee you, because I drive there a lot, you will drive right past some Amish people before you know it on their little buggies heading into town or heading the other way, and they stick out like a sore thumb. You know who they are. From a, two miles away, you see that buggy. And you know that's an Amish person riding down the road. You see that black black buggy out there. Amen? And so we've got to stick out. We've got to make a difference. Amen? Jesus made a difference. He stuck out. He didn't follow the crowd. Amen? The crowd followed him. Amen? Amen. Think about that. The crowd followed him. And he was he was not a very presumptuous person at all. He was... He had no form or comeliness that would draw anybody to him. But what was it? It was that spirit. It was that spirit of God in him. Amen. He was the word made flesh. They, they, the, the Jewish religious people had no idea who he was. Amen. If, and he tried to tell them. You know, Philip said, show us the father and it suffices, suffices, sufficeth us. Jesus, what did Jesus say? Have I not been a long time with you, Philip? And you've, haven't you not known me? If, you, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Amen. So behavior is the way in which one acts or conducts himself, especially towards others. It reflects our conduct, our deportment, our bearing, our actions, our doings, our manners, our ways, how we look, how we dress, how we sit, how we stand, how we walk, how we talk. How we conduct ourselves in a restaurant, how we eat, how we treat the waitress. Right? I'm going to pick on Walmart again. How we treat the cashier at Walmart. Some people, I've watched them in line and I'm thinking, you don't want anybody to help you if you're going to act like that. 
Amen. And when I get behind somebody in line like that, I, I can't wait to get up there so that I can be kind and be, be you know, to the, the person that just got yelled at by somebody. Because I want them to remember the next time I come in there, there's that guy that was kind to me. There's that guy that spoke kindly to me. There's that lady that was so kind and had such a sweet spirit. I want them to say that. I want them to know. When I come in, you know, I'm not bragging, but I want people to, when I walk in the door, they remember. That that guy, he always gives a good tip. Amen? Amen. Because we're the only Jesus some people are ever going to see. And you might not have the opportunity to do much more than maybe give them a scripture. You might be the seed planter. Somebody else might have to be coming along later and watering that seed. So we got to be faithful and be there to plant that seed. Amen. It's in the places we go. It's been stated that you only get one chance to make a lasting impression on others. Right? People that, that teach on how to write a resume and how to interview for a job will tell you this stuff. That's your one chance to make that lasting impression. And so you've got to make it your best shot. Amen? And what better way to make it your best shot every time than to walk consistently in the things of God, walk consistently in the precepts and the principles of this book. Amen? God didn't just call us to be church people. I know that just kind of shocks some people. (laughs) might shock some people that listen to this. But God doesn't, he didn't call us to be church people. He didn't call us to be faithful to a pew. He called us to be what? What did he tell Peter? You're you're catching fish right now, but I'm going to teach you how to catch men. He's called us to be fishers of men. Amen. Think about fishermen. The really good fishermen use special bait and special lures and they know what size weight of line to use and what kind of pole to use to catch this fish and 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 all the techniques of catching that fish you know there's there's a lot of bass tournaments going on i've seen lots of bass boats all over the place up and down going to prairie Deschain and stuff that got these guys getting ready you can see them outside of these hotels they got their poles out and they're, they're just they're doing everything they're just getting all that stuff ready to go Amen, because they want to catch the champion-sized fish. Amen? Amen? And so we've got to get the techniques under our belt. Amen? Think about how you, got, how you were one to the Lord. Think about how God dealt with you. Think about the person that God sent to you to drop that scripture in your mind that, that just started eating at you and eating at you, and you, couldn't, you just couldn't let it go. Amen? Praise God. How should we act in our home since we are the temple of God? 1 Corinthians 3.16. I'm going to make you go in your Bibles again. I'm not going to make you. You want to. 1 Corinthians 3.16. Who wants to read that? Somebody, when you get there, just start reading it. Well, I'm struggling to get there. <laughs> Amen. 
read that again, Sister Linda. Amen. We are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Think about the temple where the Spirit of God dwelt in the temple. What was it called? Anybody? Where did the God where did God's Spirit dwell in in the in the whole temple? The holiest of holies, the holy of the holiest of all. The one with the the big curtain and, and that's where the Shekinah glory of God would come down, right? Amen. And so he would he tabernacled in that place, right? In the wilderness. And when Solomon built that beautiful temple, that's where his spirit would come down. The people would wait for that cloud to come down. That spirit is now tabernacling in us. Amen. We have, it just blows my mind sometimes how much power we have that we don't even use. Amen. The Bible talks about to speak things that are not as though they were. We have that that same power of God that spoke this world into existence. So words matter. What we say matters. And we can speak with authority to things. You know, the Bible talks about if you have a mountain and you command your mountain to move, it's got to move, right? It doesn't say if you get down on your knees and beg and plead with your mountain to please move. And it might move if you bribe it enough. It doesn't say that. It says you command your mountain to be moved. You speak to your mountain. You say, mountain, get out of the way now in Jesus' name. Amen. And that mountain's got to move. Amen. And so we have, we have to realize what it is that we have dwelling in us. You know, it's one thing to just say that scripture. Know you not that the Spirit of God dwells in you. You're the temple of the Holy Ghost. But what does that mean? Think about, and you have to kind of think about it and dwell on it in your mind. Meditate on it. The Bible, you know, Brother Parker in the Bible talks about meditate. Meditating on these things. What does it mean? I just read that, but what does it mean? And you have to kind of look back like I just did and look back at the, the temple and say, what did it mean? How, how important was it for that spirit that dwelt in that place to come down and lead the people of God? They depended on that. Where do we go next? What do we do? Speak to us, Lord. He would, the priest would have to, you know. And so that's, that's where we are. He's dwelling in us now. Amen. That we may approve the things that are excellent, that we may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ unto the glory and praise of God. Philippians 1, 10 and 11. That we may approve the things that are excellent. Amen. There's a lot spoken of and preached on about in the business world about excellence. You know, in, in, in running a nice restaurant, they probably talk to them about showing a spirit of excellence in everything that they do. When you've, if you've ever been to a really, really nice restaurant... Uh, there was a place in, in my hometown, uh, just a little mom-and-pop restaurant, but the, the, the waiters wore these green jackets, like a sport coat, and they stood there by the wall like this, and if your drink got down a fourth of the way down, they were over there filling it up. 
And then they were right back over there. And they waited on people hand and foot in that place. And that's why there was always a line out the door waiting to get seated to eat there. Because they were taken care of. They did everything in that place with excellence. And that place had been there, I don't know, 50 years or something like that. And it was, you know, it was in an old building and they were kind of locked in with other businesses around them. But it didn't matter. People would park up and down the street and line up to wait to get in there because they wanted that kind of service. Amen? And so sometimes there's people out there, you know, people in this world are being treated bad. They're being treated rough. They're being spoken to rough. And and it's just, it almost blows their mind somebody come along and just love on them. Amen? Somebody that with the love of Jesus Christ that is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. And, and a lot of times, if we, if, I shouldn't say if, but if we're having that consistent prayer life, if we're having that consistent relationship where we're walking with him like that brother I was talking about, where we get to the point where somebody that's even close to us, like our a family member, says, oh, there's something different about you. They know. They will know. You won't hardly have to say a thing. And that, that in itself will open doors of opportunity. Amen. And so I don't want people to see me. I want them to see Jesus in me. Amen. I want to be that shining light in their life, that difference. Amen. Amen. Now we command you, brethren, in the, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to, uh, to follow us. For we behaved not ourselves disorderly among you, neither did we eat many, any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would would not work, neither should he eat. Amen? I used to tell my sons that a lot. If you don't work, you don't eat. And I was trying to consistently tell them that and show them that in my work ethic so that I was putting in them a work ethic so that they knew when you go to a job to an employer, you give them Eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. You don't go there to goof off and play on your phone and look at Facebook. And you're there to give that employer eight hours of work for eight hours of pay. And I can say that that's how both of my sons are. They they are very conscientious about when they go to work. They're there to work. The goof off time is later. And uh, you know you won't get, you really won't get anywhere with that attitude anyway. Amen. And so. Once again, going back to the very beginning, we've got to be consistent. Amen? And, uh, you know, the Lord, the Bible says that promotion comes not from the north, the east, the south, or the west, but promotion comes from the Lord. Amen? And I have used that principle in my life. And, you know, it's those times when we see one of our people being promoted on a job above everybody else. And and we ask, and people say, well, why is that? Well, because they, are, they have an excellent spirit, 
and they have proved themselves to their employer that they're consistently there, that they never complain. They're always getting their job done. Why? Because they're doing their job, whatever it is that they have to do, as unto the Lord. Amen. You know, the Bible says that we are not our own, that we are bought with a price. And so we don't, we don't get <laughs> the privilege. I don't get the privilege of having an attitude because something's not going my way. Amen. I have to think about the Apostle Paul sometimes. Stuff didn't go his way a lot. Right? And he got down to the end of his life, and what was he saying? I'm, I'm kind of torn between going to be with the Lord and feeling the urgency to stay here and do just a little more ministry and maybe get a few more people in the kingdom. He was torn. He couldn't wait to get to heaven. He, he wasn't afraid of death. He knew he was going to die. He knew he was dying for the purpose of the kingdom, for the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was willing to die. Amen? How many of us are, are at that point? I'm not. <laughs> Would I like to be there? Yes. Amen? But I, when you say that, you're asking, I mean, the Bible says, doesn't it, that they that, that believe and follow after him shall suffer persecution. Amen? And so we have to be prepared for that. But Paul was willing to go through those things. Amen? And Look at all the people that Paul was, Paul was writing letters to the Philippians. He was teaching Timothy. He was teaching Titus. He was teaching all these men. He was, he was bringing them up in the ministry, and he was sending them out and putting them over churches in, in whole cities. Amen? And everything that he said to all of them pretty much said, Yes, I've been your teacher. Yes, I've been your mentor. Yes, I've been the one that's, that's brought you into the kingdom, and I've given you all this knowledge and wisdom and understanding and, and poured myself out to you. Do it as if I was there and I was doing it. Follow my example. Amen. You know, Sister Linda, you, you might not be able to preach to your granddaughters, but they can follow their grandma's example. And so sometimes that's all we can be to people is an example. Amen? And, you know, it, there's so many places in the Bible where that word example and example is used. You know, these things were done for an example. Why was Jesus baptized initially? It was for an example. When he was standing there and he breathed on him, he said, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. But the Holy Ghost had not yet been given because Jesus had not been glorified. But he told them. He was giving them, this is what's going to happen. Amen. Amen. And so there's been those that have gone before us. As an example, the Bible talks about a great cloud of witnesses. And to me, that's those that have gone before me that have lived this truth. I mean, there's, there's people in generations gone by that have suffered things that I have never suffered and may never suffer for the kingdom and having their tents burned down and being hit with rotten tomatoes and rotten eggs and, and all these things that took place early on in this movement. Amen. And they, what did they do? They just continued to suffer for the gospel's sake. You know, and they said, be that as it may, I'm not going to stop serving God. Amen. Amen. This isn't just a hobby. And it's not just a habit. Amen. This is my life. 
And that should be the same thing for you. This is your life. This is what, this is, this is, I choose to be this way. I was telling somebody the other day, my wife and I chose third, when I was 30 years old, my wife and I just said, you know what? We're going to do this because we, we went through a period of time where we would come to church and we wouldn't come to church. And we, one Sunday we'd be there and next Sunday we wouldn't be there. And we were just kind of wavering back and forth and, Kids were really young, and we just got to sitting down talking one day, and we we just made up our mind. You know, these we want this for our children. We want them to know this truth from when from right now to the time that they're adults, so that they will know assuredly what is the right way. And so we made a decision, and it meant that we had to walk away from some people that were our friends. We had just when they didn't understand, we just had to say, "I'm sorry." I don't know if you're going to understand. If if you come with me to church, you might understand, right? But some of them didn't. Some of them we had to walk away, and so we went through a period of time where we didn't have any friends. It seemed like. But then, as time went by, we began to become friends and then family with the people in our church. Amen. I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Amen? We are part of the family of God. Amen? Family looked out for each other. Amen? Praise God. Amen. I'm going to kind of stop right there. This next little bit gets into um, how the ministry should conduct themselves in, our, in their home. And I, I'm looking forward to hearing Brother Parker speak on that. And uh, But it's been so good to, to be able to be here and to fill in for Brother and Sister Parker. Amen. And-